0: We want to say thank you to each and every person that has ever served this country and given us the freedoms that we experience today. So this weekend, while you're cooking hot dogs, hamburgers, spending some time with family, be mindful that there are some people that paid, maybe some of them, the ultimate price for our freedom. I'm kind of running on empty this morning, okay? Uh, I'm just going to tell you that we Lee and I got in last night about twelve thirty drove back in. We had been on an Alaskan cruise, so this time yesterday, I was in Alaska then to Canada. I think I've gone through four time zones I'm two cups of coffee and one energy drink later. And um, so I stand before you. So I'm waiting for the crash to happen, but hopefully that doesn't happen till later. But good morning, I'm glad to be here. It's good to to get away, to spend some time vacationing, enjoying God's creation, but it's always good to come back and sleep in your own bed and back home. Being the oldest guy uh, minister on our staff, sometimes I'm accused of liking to do things the old fashioned way, an old outdated way. Why? Because they work, okay? I still like to read the newspaper, okay? I know it's available online and you know what? I like to, you know, sit down with a cup of coffee and read the newspaper. I still love my 22 year old two cycle lawn boy. Not because I can't get a new one, because I think it was the best mower made, and it works. I mow with it every week. It just runs. I like to, when I read the Bible, I know we've got the Bible on the on the app and things like that, but I like to hold the Bible when I read it. If I want to highlight something, I like the way it feels in my hand. I like the way the pages feel. I like the smell of a Bible. I just like to have the Bible. But if the only options available is the digital version, then, then we do that. I personally like this. If I go to a restaurant and they give me an option of a paper menu, or here, scan this QR code, I'm picking the menu every time. Okay, now we have options here. You can scan the QR code for the bulletin and get it on your phone, or you can get the paper bulletin. I get the paper bulletin, okay? That's just me. But there are things that I do like about technology. You know, I like the electronics on my boat. I like to be able to see the fish that are down there that maybe are not biting. I like to be able to see them. I like some of the things that we have in the car. I like my smartphone. but we live in a very fast and an ever-changing world where today, what is state-of-the-art, tomorrow probably is going to be outdated. You buy a brand-new computer today or you spend a lot of money and buy a new iPhone, in six months, there's going to be a newer model that's going to be faster, more efficient, going to have better camera, whatever. Technology is just going to change. In 1932, Adolf Huxley wrote a book, and you may have actually had to read this while you were in school, called A Brave New World. Anybody read that book? A few people, okay. I think it was required reading when I went to school. Now, I don't think it's required, but I think it'd be a, a good book to read. The brave new world takes place 600 years in the future, so that would be 2532. 600 years in the future, Adolf Huxley was not very optimistic about our society and how we were going to turn out. He painted really a pretty scary picture of our world and what it was going to be like, a world in which humans would be cloned, people were controlled by technology, religion had become obsolete, and replaced by the government this is family sunday so i'm going to keep this pg the s word had been replaced by laboratory test tubes and it was only then used for recreational and a society was absolutely obsessed with it concept of family or belonging to one another was completely eliminated so when you read that book, The Brave New World, your immediate impression is, oh my goodness, we're about 90 years away from when he wrote that book, looking into the future, 600 years of things that he thought was a science fiction novel, and now it has taken place already? So in many ways, we are already at Adolf Huxley's Brave New World in the way our society is. I uh, got some of our staff together before I left on the cruise. I said, Hey, I need some help with this message. I want, and I kind of told them the concept of what Huxley uh, was talking about in the books. I help me, you know, come up with some ideas to see where we are kind of like that today. The first example was technology. You know, our society is increasingly become controlled by technology. The first thing we do in the morning for most people, isn't grab the Bible and start reading. The first thing that most people do in the morning is grab their phone to see who text, Maybe if they missed a phone call, maybe somebody liked a Facebook post, somebody retweeted something that they tweeted, or maybe to catch up on some posts or, or Twitter, Instagram, whatever you're on. Our watches now track our health, our steps, our sleep pattern, I mean, you can get your text email right from your watch now. We have as many meetings done online through Zoom as we actually have in-place meetings. We can buy our cars, our homes, our furniture all online. We have facial recognition where you can get in and out of doors just by the recognition of your face. Or maybe open up your phone just by facial recognition. So you don't even have to have a, 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 a password. Face-to-face conversations are becoming rare. We had this little thing on the cruise ship. They gave it to us. It's called a medallion. They said, it's important. You need to take care of this thing. It was linked to a, a, our credit card. And you put this around your neck, and you walk down the, the hall to your your room. And before you even got there, the door When unlocked, and there was a little screen there, it said, welcome, Alan. Always want to make you feel good. If you wanted to buy a Coke while you were on the cruise ship, you just tap that, and it charged your account. Pretty neat. I have no idea how much they were charging me, but it was pretty neat. (laughs) If you wanted to buy some souvenirs, tap that, and away you went. Okay? Pretty, Pretty handy. Artificial intelligence has now become a real big talking point. I don't know that I fully understand artificial intelligence enough. Jeremy helped helped me understand this a little bit, but if I wanted to send out an email, the artificial intelligence on my computer or my smartphone would know my vocabulary and know my speech pattern and could send out an email for me or a letter. I wanted to to quit my job, so just tell it, hey, I need a, a resignation letter, and it would create this resignation letter. Or students, I don't know how legal this is or whether your teachers allow it, but let's say you need to do a term paper. Create me a term paper on whatever subject, and it, voila, it just does it. But not all... Technology is bad, it has some wonderful benefits. We enjoy some of the benefits, such as robotic surgery, computers, but if we're not careful, we can let technology control our lives just like in Adolf Huxley's Brave New World, rather than us controlling our technology. Another way he said that it, uh, we were very much like that is that we are becoming a society increasingly controlled by science friends I want you to know that biblical truths are being replaced by science but when you really take a deep dive into it the Bible and science really line up and there are more and more discoveries all the time where people are finding out through some scientific discoveries that oh That's what the Bible talks about, or that actually proves the Bible. But the danger is when people only accept science. Because we've sometimes found out that science is wrong, right? Not always, but sometimes they're wrong. Scientists predicted that cars and electricity would only be a fad. They also predicted that telephones would never catch on. The creators of the iPhone said that they see that as a very short-lived concept well it's still going in the 70s it was predicted that the earth would not sustain life past the year 2000 and millions of people would die because of smog and those that were left alive would all be wearing gas masks you know to just to be able to breathe and who can remember when we were told, hey, if you just wear a mask, you won't get what? COVID, yeah, anybody remember that? Science now determines if it's a boy or a girl. I used to remember when the baby was born, the doctor told you, hey, you've got a boy or a girl. You still remember those days now the scientist will tell you whether it's a boy or a girl the hottest topic right now is the subject of cloning scientists say it's very conceivable in the near future they will be able to clone a human being they're already doing that with some animals they're further ahead of that the truth is that the scientists are trying to take the place of God They are trying to say, we don't need God to create life. We can do it ourselves in the laboratory. Another way is that our society is obsessed with the S word. You guys know what I'm talking about. Reproduction in the brave new world didn't happen by God's design. And the S word was only recreational. And it wasn't for procreation, for creating life. But really, that defines the very core of our identity. Something that God created us as male and female in our very identity, the society in the world has tried to pervert. Over 75% of TV programs today have sexual content, and it averages... scenes per hour or they lose interest okay we turn the channel i read a statistic and i had to go verify this with jeremy that right now it said one in five or 25 percent of our teenagers today are gender confused I, i i went and i said jeremy does that even sound right he goes it's at least that high What we have done is we've taken God's gift to us and we've insisted on misusing it and treating it as a form of recreation and entertainment. In Huxley's uh, Brave New World, the family had become obsolete. Traditional family today is quickly becoming obsolete and a thing of the past. I'm talking about a, a married mom and dad with children. Single parenting statistics have skyrocketed. People we see statistically are getting married later and later and later, and long marriages are becoming rare. Let me give you some, what appeared at first to be really good news that divorce rates are dropping. Do you understand that? Divorce rates are actually on the decline, and you think, oh, great, that's good. We're making progress. No, the reason the divorce rate is on the decline is because more and more couples are skipping marriage, just moving in together, having children and a family. And so when that family unit then breaks up, there's no divorce, no statistics. The only thing there is will be a fight for the children, who gets them and how long and weekend visitation and and that stuff. So fewer divorces. Same sex marriage has been legalized in every state and all these things have threatened the stability of the family. Huxley's society was also a society that had become intolerant of religion. In his book, The Brave New World, government took the place of God. People didn't need a savior, they needed a state. And that mentality still exists today. Many people believe that the government is the answer and they can take the place of God and that if we just make the right rules and pass the right legislation, then everything will be good. Friends, I want to tell you something today. Every And and just specifically speaking of of United States, every religion in this country is protected, respected, except Christianity. You try in this country burning a copy of the Koran and see what kind of a backlash happens or whatever the, the Hindu's holy book or you name it. But people want to burn our Bible? go ahead throw it on the ground disrespect it whatever and if you don't agree with us as Christians or or we don't agree with them then you then you obviously you hate us that's the mentality that's the, the thought and so in our mind we just think that the government can take care of those things if we make the right decisions pass the right legislation then all of our sin problems will go away but that's not the answer it's not in politics it's in the church so when you start looking at that you think oh my goodness is there any hope for our survival as we head into this brave new world Absolutely, there's hope, but the first thing we have to do is we have to acknowledge that there's a problem, and it's real easy to blame. What is the the, the new generation teenagers? Jeremy, is it uh, Gen Z? Okay, it's real easy to wow the Gen Z. They are messing the whole world up. Guess who raised Gen Z? Hmm. Children are byproducts of their raising. Is there hope for our survival? Yes, our hope cannot be in technology or science or sensuality or personal freedom or political process. We have one hope, and that's it. And it's greater than our society and greater than any problem we will face on this earth. It has to be in a personal relationship with the God of this universe who created us. Who made us Psalm 139 if you haven't found that yet go ahead and and open that up we're gonna look and we're gonna see that God knows us in a personal way we're not just a face in the crowd our relationship with his God is as personal as our fingerprint every single person on this planet has a different set of fingerprints And our relationship with God is just as personal. And I want to look today at three aspects of our relationship with God that I think will help make us better prepared to survive in this brave new world, okay? First, is found in uh, Psalm 139, as we read the first four verses, is that God knows you completely, and He loves you absolutely so what david the psalmist said you have searched me lord and you know me you know when i sit and when i rise you perceive my thoughts from afar you discern my going out and my laying down you are familiar with all my ways before a word is on my tongue you lord know it completely you understand that He knows everything about us and everything that we do. The Scripture says He knows when you sit down, when you rise. He knows your thoughts. Before we even speak a word, before it's even on our tongue, God knows what we're going to say. Now, that's really a hard concept for me to understand. My, my uh, you know, small brain has a hard time understanding of the 7.88 billion people. I looked that up this week. That's how many people are alive on this earth. 7.88 billion people that God knows me individually. When I'm going to wake up, when I'm going to go to sleep, what I'm going to say, what I'm going to do. He knows me not as a face in the crowd, but he knows me and loves me like I'm the only person he ever created. I can't even understand how he could know 7.88 billion people's names, let alone everything about them and every detail of their life. But scripture tells us that that's how he knows us. Parents, sometimes um, we know what our kids like, how they act, how they're going to behave, what they're going to respond to. Often when you're married to someone for a long time, you're going you're to know what they do and what they'll say even before they do it. God knows you that intimately. Intimately. We've all had those experiences, though, when we've been misunderstood. I know maybe as parents or, or employees or bosses or kids, maybe somebody said, I, I just don't understand you. I don't get you. Why, why do you do that? I don't know. You know, I've had a lot of people tell me that. You know, I just don't understand you. Alan, why did you do that? Why, why do you act that way? You know, there's been a lot of times I've said that to myself. Alan, why'd you do that? I just don't understand it. Paul said the very same thing in Romans 7:15. He goes, I don't understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. Anybody else there identify with me and the apostle Paul? Or are we the only one of the 7.88 billion people that... Feel that way what i don't want to do sometimes i do and what i know i'm supposed to do i don't do it alan i just don't understand you we're going to disar- disappoint ourselves from time to time friends we're going to disappoint others we're going to fail to meet expectations we're going to have people say you know i just don't understand you And it's tempting to think that God doesn't understand us either, but He does. He understands everything about you, every emotion that you have, every struggle with sin, every habit that you have. He understands everything about you. And more importantly than just understanding you, He loves you absolutely, like you're His only child. Do you understand that? That is just hard to wrap your mind around, isn't it? But that's how much God loves you. Second thing I want us to see to help us survive this world is that God is always with you and always takes care of you. Let's get down to verse 7. He says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my... Bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. Bishop Lajoris Ordas of the Lutheran Church in Hungary was imprisoned for more than six years voice of the martyrs tells that story and they put him in a very small confined cell no windows no windows on the door just a just a cell they tried to break his resistance they tried to break his spirit because he had resisted the communist oppression and when he was released he said they thought i was there in that cell all by myself, but I wasn't. The Lord Jesus Christ was with me, and we had communion every single day. And because of that, I was able to prevail. Jesus says in Matthew 28, the very same thing that that bishop found out. He goes, I will be with you always to the very end of the day. So the Bible promises No matter how bad these circumstances on this earth may get, no matter how rough the circumstances in your life may be, even right now, he's going to be there with you. The story of the prodigal son, the story of Samson, the story of Jonah, they all teach us a point that you can't outrun or run away from God. There is nowhere that you can go that you are outside of the presence of God. because it says he won't let go of you. There's nowhere you can go to remove yourself from his presence. C.S. Lewis once uh, said, it's kind of like saying that the uh, the mouse bragging that he had found the cat, okay? Probably the cat found a mouse. In Huxley's Brave New World, just like in Orwell's 1984, the state watches every move the people made trying to catch him doing something wrong, kind of like a camera waiting to catch you go through a red light and snap a picture of your license plate and then sending you a ticket in the mail. A lot of people have that idea that God is just looking over the balcony of heaven, just waiting to catch you go one mile an hour over the speed limit or his law and say, off to hell you go, you're done. See, I got you. aha. And people have that idea that God is looking for every loophole to send you to hell when the truth is that God is looking for every opportunity to allow you into heaven, not to send you to hell. He doesn't want anyone to go to hell. So God watches our every move, not as this watchdog, but as a caretaker. And Hebrews 13, 5 says that he will never leave or forsake us. And finally, let's get ready to land this plane here. In verse 16, I want you to see that God is in control of all the details of your life. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Do you realize that? god knew what my life was going to be like even before i took my first breath you know throughout history there's been a lot of debate among uh, theologians regarding predestination the question is does god plan every detail of our life or does he just allow things to happen haphazardly do you get The freedom to choose or has God already made those choices for you? The Bible makes it very, very clear that we do have free will and that we are going to be held responsible for the decisions we make. But at the same time, the Bible also makes it very clear that God is in control of our life and nothing happens to us outside of his control. So you fit that into your theology however you want to fit that. The Bible says we have a free will and we get to make choices but nothing happens outside of his control. In the Brave New World humans were created and predestined and created in a laboratory in a tube as the state needed. So if if society needed a plumber, guess what they created in that tube? Was a plumber. If they needed a uh, seven foot tall basketball player that's what they created in the test tube a seven foot tall basketball player the bible teaches that we are predestined by god huxley used that word that those human beings were predestined they were pre-created to be whatever they were The Bible teaches that we are predestined by God, that he has a special plan for each one of us. And that plan is good. Now, what his specific plan is for you, I can't tell you that. You've got to wrestle with that. What his very specific will and plan for your life, you've got to wrestle. And I can't tell you what that is. I have a hard enough time sometimes determining what God's will for my life is, let alone for me to tell you what God's will is for your life. But I can tell you this, his plan for every one of us is the same, that he wants us to become followers of Jesus. Ephesians 1, 5 tells us that he wants us to become his followers. And the second thing is he wants us to become like Jesus. Romans 8, 29 tells us that's his desire for us, not to just follow Jesus, but to become ultimately more like Jesus. Jesus. And then in Proverbs 16.4, scriptures tell us that God is in control of the details. The Lord works out everything for his own ends. And then we know in Romans 8.28 that all things, God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. So God is in control, but he did not make robots. Now, there's no question that this world is changing Some of those changes are not good this world kind of seems to become more and more impersonal all the time but the good news that we have is that we can have a personal relationship with jesus christ as our savior and so while the world around just changes all the time and it's quickly changing you know one of the things I heard one of our teenagers say one time not long ago was, "Oh, that's so 15 minutes ago." I'm like, "What? The world has changed that fast in 15?" Yes. But listen to this. Malachi 3:6 and I love this verse. "I am Lord, and I do not change." Those of you reading the King James version, it says, "I am the Lord, And I change not. I don't change. In Hebrews 13, 8, I love this one too. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So while this world is going to change all around us, I want you to know this. God doesn't change. His love for you does not change. His plan for you does not change. No matter what happens in this world around us, you can have a relationship with a Savior and a God who does not change and that you can depend on today, tomorrow, next week, next year. And He loves you like you're the only person on this earth. I don't know how that makes you feel, but that makes me feel pretty good. That we have a Savior that loves us that.